This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Another episode of the Principal Leadership Lab. Enter season number two. Adam, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you doing down there below the cheddar curtain? (laughs) Hey, it's a good day to be alive down here. I'm really excited to be back with you. It's been a couple of weeks uh, since we ended season yeah, one and yeah. we'll come back stronger than ever with season two of the principal leadership lab. And I just can't, I, I can't believe we're back behind the microphone again, ready to record another fantastic episode. You know, we took a couple of weeks off, but it was for a very specific reason. And, uh, I asked my wife if I could just do the principal leadership lab podcast full time. And she said, yes, as long as I replace my salary. So are we getting close to that point of replacing salaries with the principal leadership? Lab, you, better, you better hang on for a little bit longer. You oh. better hang on for a little bit longer. I think, I think there's a little bit of time, but we may be getting close. I mean, you never know. You never You're know. right. You the know, tipping Malcolm, point. Malcolm Gladwell, I was just going to yeah. say, you yeah. never know what that tipping point is going to he, be. He's right. going to be our next guest. Oh, really? Well, don't yeah. promise. Don't promise that because we have to reach out to him yet. Yeah, we should. Yeah. <laughs> But we have a reasonable facsimile today. I mean, like the next best after Malcolm Gladwell will be our next guest. I, I would say so. And I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to welcome in this principal at a middle school in East Brunswick, New Jersey. He's an author of a book called MicroStrategy Magic, and he's got a new one coming out at him on September 15th, Leading Schools Through Trauma. And um, I cannot wait to speak to Mike Gaskell. Mike, welcome in. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you guys. And I have an interesting factoid. Gladwell is a distant cousin. I found that out from my brother who told me, absolutely. 23 and me did like a whole thing. Absolutely. So that's my claim to fame is I'm a distant cousin to Gladwell. Wow, this might be the best episode we ever have. (laughs) I don't know if I can get him here for you, but I'll try. (laughs) Yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. Oh, that's true, man. Well, I mean, it was just fate then that we just kind of were joking around and brought that up, right? I mean, that's right. Yeah, but if you could, we didn't rehearse it. Nope. You could pull some strings and get them on for us. I mean, that would be that would be even better. I'm actually listening well enough. Yeah, I'll yeah, do what I can. Yeah. yeah, I'm listening to his book about the bomber squadron. It's really interesting because it's a little different. Um, uh, I don't know, different way of him. It's not. It's the same Malcolm Gladwell, but it's just a different yeah. approach to his writing. So it's been it's been good. Sounds good, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Mike, your principal out in East Brunswick, New Jersey, Hammershold Middle, Middle School, right? And you've also been a special educator, assistant principal, so up through the ranks to middle school principal. How long have you been in your uh, your current position right now? Yeah, this is my 16th year, which means I either love it or wow. nobody wants me in a different position. <laughs> I'm going to go well, with the first one. Yeah, go with positive. I think, I think yeah. so. I think, yep. I think there's a lot of value in that. You know, I think that there's uh, I don't think you, too many, so, so often you hear about people moving up the, up the ranks to the next greatest thing, but I mean, how, how are you going to build consistency, rapport and trust with your teachers, your, your kids, your community? If, you know, if we were changing principles every few years, right. I've always thought there's a lot of value in staying. 
Yeah, I love it. Uh, I love it because of the teachers. I love it because of the community and especially kids and especially the underdogs. Uh, that's my favorite part of this. And that's part of my leadership journey that I know you guys wanted to dig into, but uh, definitely uh, feel like I'm connected and, I, and I, I don't see myself anyplace else. I'm just enjoying doing that and writing. That's great. That's great. Well, we're going to get into that. I can't wait. And your book, like I mentioned, comes out on September 15th. Adam, isn't that another? Yeah, it's a pretty significant day across our country. It's my birthday. I will be 30 years old that day. Uh, Last year, we celebrated Jeff's 50th birthday. So my 30th is right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's you know a lot lot, lot going on in that sentence right there. A couple of Uh, lies. Yeah, Uh, two truths and a lie. Are we playing two truths and a lie right now? We (laughs) should. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Mike, let's let's waste no no time and just jump right in, man. For for those who you know who might not be as familiar with you, um, you know, why don't you just talk and tell us, take us through your leadership journey? I mean, how did you get to the place where you're at right now? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as you mentioned, I was a special education teacher. Loved working with kids with um, you know a few more obstacles, uh, which doesn't mean they couldn't get to the other side of it successfully. And that's a lot of what you'll see and what I speak about and and write about and talk about. The experience has been a great journey because I can remember when I was a new assistant principal and uh, 10 days in, two planes drop out of the sky and crash into a building, changed our world. This Mm -hmm. was my assistant first 10 days as an assistant principal. And I was in an area of the country, uh, northern New Jersey, Paramus to be specific, that I didn't know if kids' parents were coming home that night. Uh, Mm -hmm. So someone says to me, when was it okay to hug a kid? That was the day. That was the day it was okay to hug a kid. And uh, and I learned a lot, uh, obviously, both in traumatic circumstances like that and also the day-to-day things, one of which is that teachers are professionals. And they didn't get in this business to get rich. They did it because they love working with kids in almost every case. And you can leverage that to really help build your community. What was really neat for me was when I first got started with administration and I'm a young assistant principal and I'm learning along the line on the fly. And it occurs to me that I can't force teachers to do things. That was one of the biggest and most important lessons is there's more power and persuasion than force. Mm. And that if I try to force them to do something, I'm just going to be that young administrator who's trying to build his career and doesn't know what he's talking about. And that doesn't get anybody anywhere. And I'm not as young as I was then, uh, but uh, I definitely want them to feel comfortable with me. And it, it helps build your community and your culture when teachers can trust you and feel like they don't have to uh, worry about you forcing them into something. Mm. I really like the the words of persuasion instead of force. And, uh, you know, that Jeff, that goes all the way back to our Alfie Cohn days back in Elgin, you yeah. know, uh, punished by reward. So I think that uh, your, your use of the words there, Mike, I think is spot on, especially in, in the way you use them there and describing that situation. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's so true. And so you said 16 years in your current position. I mean, I mean, that, that's a you know I, I, we mentioned it before, but it's it's honestly a long time for a principal you know to stay at one school in one in one position. You see a lot of turnover and for various reasons, whether it's burnout or or promotions or what have you. But what 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 causes you to stay, Mike? I think it's uh, first of all, no day is ever the same as an administrator, even if you've been doing the same job for sixteen years, and 
the other thing is, is I've really enjoyed over the last three years, I started writing articles, um, and blogs and made ASCD Smart Brief and uh, all kinds of great uh, stuff that I, I didn't realize people were interested in reading what I was writing. So while I'm doing all these things, and I think I have some pretty good ideas to share. I've now been doing that uh, since 2018. And as you mentioned, I've had a, a couple, a second book coming out in September. And that I think has helped me sort of refresh my energy constantly. That, that writing is very therapeutic for me. It's a sense of giving back. If one kid wins because of a book that I wrote, then it was worth it. Mm. So that's how I view the whole experience. And that's why I think the longevity has been a blessing for me, not like, oh, here we go again another year. I get excited every year still. I love the seasons. I love opening in September and Halloween and the winter holidays and everything that happens cyclically in a school that you can take advantage of and, and see uh, your, your community uh, benefit from. Mm. You know, there's so much there. I think that it's, uh, it's, it's so critical in what you ended with, like all the, all the things that you, your community benefits from, you know, I think that's, that's a critical point that you make, you know, and uh, the only way to see what your community benefits from is by staying through and uh, staying on, you know, through good times and bad times. And, you know, too often you, 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 all three of us, I'm sure have seen it when a leader leaves a place and, and all that hard work and those initiatives that um, you got started with your team there, uh, they disappear because of the new leader, you know, and, and um, that, that tells you a couple of things. One, that it wasn't, you know, ingrained in the school culture. Um, and secondly, perhaps, you know, you, you, you know, the leader did not do a good enough job of getting the next leader prepared, right? Or the, the team ready. So again, yeah. going back to what's embedded in the culture. So I always find that interesting. I also, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to add that staying power is great. You made a great point too. When I leave, I don't want to leave. And every, everybody says, oh my gosh, what happened to Mike Gaskell? We need him back. I want that to be a, a, a fluid transition. There's a bridge there and somebody just picks up and, and just continues on the strength of, of that kind of a program. That's, that to me is a leader, not someone who, you know, I'm the only guy who can do this. That's not a realistic way to handle it or take care of kids in a community. Um, agreed. And when you were talking most recently about uh, writing and how it's almost therapeutic for you, you were writing articles, did you say? And was that was that intentional for a publication or was it you were just writing articles and then just waiting to see where it goes? Yeah, I heard recently that one and a half percent of Americans publish a book, but like 80 percent of us want to. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, yeah, I'm still one of those 80 percent until I started writing. And then I just started putting it out there to to blogs and to uh, online academic journal education journals. And I thought, what are, what are people going to think? They're going to, who knows if they're going to like this? They might hate it. And they started picking it up and it started showing interest. And like I said, it made some most red sections. So I thought, oh, my idea is I can share these and people are interested in them. So a lot of it is combination, like both writing skill and sharing an idea. If someone can walk away from that article or you know chapter and have an idea that they can use tomorrow, to me, that was, that was the way to do it. It's excellent. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about what you, how you started ever, you know, the, the 80% that want to write a book, there's other ways to do it. You, you said you started by blogging, writing short articles, things like that. And uh, I'm telling you, I journal, I have a, a quasi bullet journal and 
whenever I write in there, it becomes part of me. It's something that I don't forget. It's uh, the dreams and aspirations. It's not a diary by any means, but it's a, you know, and I guess it could be, it could be pink and with a little buckle on there, like my daughter used to have, but it's a, it really does grow on you and it becomes part of you. And and sometimes I think there's ideas within those journals that um, are birthed into a book in the future. So I think that we should encourage everybody to put their thoughts down on paper so that they have an opportunity or electronic paper. I know it doesn't matter to me, but it's powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. And the same goes for the podcast medium. I think it's a great way to share ideas right here mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Cause all of us are driving someplace, whether it's short drives, long drives and uh, the, the episodes. I love it when I get a, a 10 or 15 minute episode from somebody and you get some great insight in like a booster shot. That's probably yeah. a bad analogy to use in today's vernacular with booster shots and stuff, but you guys know what I mean. Yeah. A bonus. Yeah. We get a bonus. There you go. And uh, then for the longer rides, you have a 45 minute episode and they're all free. That's what I really like about podcasting is that we can, mm-hmm. can listen to this like the radio, you know, and you can give feedback and ask questions even when it's not live and it's good stuff. Definitely. That's a great way to, it's a great medium. Yeah, for sure. But tell us, I mean, you, you know, you mentioned it a couple of times, Mike, and it's one of the things we wanted to get into, but tell us about the book. I mean, you got, you've got a new book uh, coming out, uh, Leading Schools Through Trauma, and I want to get into that. But um, how about MicroStrategy Magic? Let's, let's start there. That was only published last fall. So, I mean, you, you're, you're writing quite a bit as of late, right? So tell us a little bit about that book. Yeah, you know, a lot of this was birthed by all of us being in semi-quarantine for a long period of time. And I like the old ideology of never waste a good crisis. And I'm sitting there thinking, what can I do at this time? And it really has now expanded. Now I'm actually balancing both that and going back to school. But it certainly was birthed in a moment where I had a window to jump into this. So what happened with uh, MicroStrategy Magic is I was writing some articles and uh, uh, Roman Littlefield, the publisher, uh, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we like what you say in this particular article that I wrote for NASP NASP magazine. And the concept was, uh, how do you get at-risk kids' parents to parent-teacher conferences? And I was able to show that we were able to get that from one-third of our response rate to over 90% with some simple strategies that I applied. So they liked that, and they wanted to hear more ideas like that. So it was a great opportunity. They uh, got me started, and I got to write a book about a lot of these strategies that as I said, I've, I've really written about in other fashions and forms uh, in blogging and on online journals and some new ideas uh, and some stories and things like that. And I, I do tend to weave a lot of science and story together, which, you know, sort of anecdotally backs up, hey, this works. And it also makes for a more interesting read. So that was that was fun to do. And uh, the book, as you said, came out just last fall. So it's still pretty new. And in the midst of that, uh, we were sitting there in quarantine and I'm thinking to myself, you know, kids are going to be, kids are already traumatized. We're already recognizing that there's, a, there's an increase in the challenges kids are facing today. But this is even more of a factor now that kids are really in and out of school, fluctuating for over a period of a year and a half. And there really needs to be something said about how we can pull kids back into school, not just from a pandemic, but any other kind of a trauma as well. So there's sustenance in this book because it's not just about a pandemic and the concept that when you're taking uh, strategies and applying them in a systematic way that you're using some uh, simple data techniques, which I go through in the book, you're able to really help kids build off of their trauma and even endure some post-traumatic growth. And it, it, it was a really inspirational book to write as a result. 
how did you uh, get to that topic of trauma? I mean, it's not, I mean, I don't think a lot of people sit down on Friday night and be like, yeah, I'm, this is a pretty uplifting topic. I'm going to, I'm going to write about that this weekend. Yeah. I, you know, again, a lot of it had to do with us sitting in a pandemic and reading and hearing on podcasts all about the challenges of uh, mental illness and, and obstacles kids were facing and being sheltered away and not having the social developmental growth. So there's a bit of a nerdy side to me that jumps into that. I also mentioned that I was a special educator and I, I'm still a special educator. That's my true love. And I just love trying to try, helping an underdog get to the other side and show mm -hmm. that they can do it. So there's a lot of that inspiration behind it as well. And it really got me motivated along the while. I was also writing articles about uh, test taking anxiety and some other challenges. I did have a brief article on how to help kids pass trauma in the pandemic specifically. But again, the book's more broad than that and goes much deeper in. I think it's great that you had uh, something placed on your heart and you, you took time to provide some solutions rather than, you know, call your neighbor and complain about school and how difficult it is, or, you know, you know, that kind of scenario, you took a lot of time and effort to provide solutions for teachers, principals, and uh, to help students overcome trauma. And uh, it is, it's a real thing. And I'm, I'm glad you did that. Yeah, definitely. And those, those ideas are both, first of all, there's the, what do I do in the trenches concepts? Because mm -hmm. at this point, teachers need to wrap their, get their arms around something to do to help move kids and support kids. And generally teachers want to do that. They want to help kids, but it's, it can be overwhelming. So I give very tangible ideas, but I also talk more broadly about school-wide programs. So there's this nice mix of, you know, what an administrator can do and what a teacher can do and what every counselors can do. I also give props to counselors when I tell, when I talk about counselors and say, we're not replacing counselors with these answers. We're simply uh, complementing what they're doing. We can never uh, replace counselors. They're a very, a very important part of the package to support kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We see that, I mean, every day as we come back, you know, into school full-time in person, I was going to say coming back from the pandemic, but we're still full in the pandemic. I mean, we're just, we're just happened to be trying it out, with, you know, with buildings full of kids, but we're, de we're definitely seeing it. I mean, the, the results of the pandemic, we're seeing more anxiety, we're seeing more stress, uh, we're seeing more trouble. You know, I, I mean, you know, Adam and I are both at the high school level, Mike, you're at the middle school level. I mean, we're seeing it uh, on a daily basis. I mean, what, what get, get into that a little bit, think about, you know, what, what you just wrote about, um, how do lead, schools lead through trauma? If you were to give, uh, you know, a piece of advice to a, to an administrator, whether new or veteran, what, what's the one thing they should be doing right now in terms of dealing with trauma in their schools? It's really important to be able to categorize this. So I go through a three-step process and that three-step process starts with, okay, Kids are coming back traumatized. First of all, recognize that. Don't just sit there and say, well, maybe they'll be okay, because now we're just wasting our time uh, and, and it's not a realistic approach. Acknowledging that, you need to start by building relationships. We talk so much in leadership and in schools about building relationships. That can be no, no more important than ever. Um, and you have to consider a state of wellness. So I go through some very specific strategies and techniques about how to do that. And then I talk in the second step about giving a number of small formative assessments. There's a lot of research out that shows us that more frequent shorter term assessments are far more effective in learning and, and also confidence for students. So there's the well-being piece than the long-term summative assessments that they're actually gaining confidence and they're developing this thing I call small wins. And they're sort of accelerating this, this growth pattern that they need 
in order to develop their own confidence and then eventually become independent enough to develop self-regulation skills. And then the third piece is to challenge them once they've built this, this infrastructure of confidence to set goals just above their comfort zone, not like way above, but it's sort of like the next step on a staircase instead of around the corner, they can't see it so that it's achievable, it's reachable, and they're motivated enough to go grab that. But they're also close enough to the safety zone that if they have to, they can step back. Mm. There's a lot of, uh, that's that small wins concept. Would you, would you, what would you say to the, uh, you know, to the middle high school, I'm just going to stick in that realm because that's where we live right now to the, to the teacher, to the principal who says, you know, I don't have time to do that in my curriculum. Right. I mean, I mean, is it, is it something that needs to be, is it a period that needs to be built in everybody's day? Is it something that can be woven, do you think into, into the curriculum itself? What do you think? What do you tell people? It's like you've read my whole book already um, because the, and, and it's not out yet. So, so that's uh, impressive. You don't have to give it away then. You don't have to give it a little preview, well, a little preview. Yeah. The, the, the premise is that you already weaving it into your day. So there's a lot of things that are already happening. And what we need to do is start to structure and organize those things. And I'll give you one really quick example. Uh, a lot of teachers use gamification techniques such as Kahoot, Pear Deck, Flipgrid, these kinds of things. And, and it's, they will tell you generally that it's engaging. It's, it gets kids more interested and there's a competitive spirit to it. And it's interesting. What teachers don't necessarily realize is that while they're doing that, they're collecting student responses that are easily exportable. And then you can track their progress mm. over time in those areas. And so I get into that as a concept in the book. It's just one of many examples that are things I get really into the things you're already doing this. Let's talk about harnessing it. Mm. Love that. How do you harness what you're already doing? And we are, we, we talk about that a lot. You know, how do you harness the, the, the energy that we're already putting out there into the universe? Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I our teachers appreciate it. I think our parents appreciate that. And I know our students appreciate that. So it's a, it's a good strategy or philosophy. I don't know what it would be called, but if we could do that all day, every day, that'd be, we'd all be better off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people, if you want more information, you got to get the book. I'm not going to have Mike reveal anything else tonight. Leading schools through trauma out September 15th. So that's exciting. They were camping out by our local bookstore with tents. I waiting. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'll run over and sign them as many as you want. <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting, though. I mean, it's not just one book. I mean, I know that Jeff, is his book is going to be published soon. And I know how exciting that is book number two though that's got to be a very similar experience i mean it's another baby you know you're you're birthing another baby yeah it was it was exciting i will tell you that it actually was easier the second time around because i almost felt like the editors were yelling at me because of things i uh, didn't understand and now i do so i'm i'm you know cutting that off the best i'll bet jeff kind of went through some of the same i don't know if he got yelled at but same experiences but congratulations to you jeff i yelled yeah. at him yeah adam, adam did I can imagine. Yeah. And I yelled, I yelled at him back as he wrote the forward. So I'm like, dude, where is your forward? I can't, how come I don't have it in my hands yet? <laughs> I wanted it to be the end word, not the forward. <laughs> That's a new word too. Yeah, the end word. Yeah. That's awesome. So talk to us, you know, Mike, I mean, what do you what what do you what do you say to aspiring leaders in today's times? Right, I mean, this, the leadership today 
is very different than it was when I first went in, when you first went in, when Adam first went in. And I'm sure that that leaders back then were asking the same question. But but during a pandemic, I mean, it, this this looks so different. I mean, was there is there any kind of leadership nugget that you would that you could offer to aspiring leaders to today who are thinking about going into any type of leadership role? Yeah, it's funny. I would think of something like don't let them see you sweat. Um, a lot of what I find myself doing, I just had a, a call with a parent the other day and they were thinking homeschooling their kid. But when I explained to them this, the precautions we were taking to you know, prevent or minimize the likelihood that their child could ever get sick at school, uh, they were thanking me and getting off the phone and saying, my kid's coming back to school. One mm-hmm. of the, my favorite things to do with that is, and if anybody has kids, they, they should steal this, is I like to say things like, you know, I'm a, I'm a father before I'm a principal. So let me talk to you like a father sometimes too, and really reach out to them in that way. And then also say to them, if my kid were in this school, I'd feel safe. Usually when I say something like that, it's very validating for a nervous uh, parent. So as a, as a new leader, it's important to really give that kind of very transparent, authentic presentation, but also with some confidence. Like I said, even if you have to fake it till you make it, yeah. I think it's really important to I mean, I'm at the, we're at the point in our career where I don't have to fake it too much anymore, but I can't tell you that I don't always, that, that I always don't have to fake it either. You know, it's, there are those moments and, and they're, they're, everybody's watching us as leaders, which is an awesome responsibility. And I mean that in a good way and an overwhelming way. For sure. So it's really important to embrace that and say, look, I'm the leader and they need answers for me. And I'm going to have all the answers, but I got to go get them. And that's, that's one of the things that you need to communicate to your, your community. So as a leader, it's really important to be a good communicator and to make an effort. And the, one of the most important things I learned, especially with kids, is to apologize. Mm. Even if it's not your fault, it is your fault because it's your school. So you need to acknowledge that something went wrong. And even though you didn't have direct control over it, you're, you need to fix that being the leader for the next time. And kids do not lose respect for you when you, in fact, they gain respect from you yeah. when you apologize to them. So that's, no, that's been a lesson. I've always struggled with that apology thing. And I think you just made it clear to me. Um, you know, I, I, you don't want to apologize for things you haven't done. And I've always felt like I can't say I'm sorry. I'm not a, I, I will apologize when I've done something wrong. I've had a lot of practice, but you know, like for a school, like how you just framed it, it's my school. So if our school or something or somebody within it has wronged you, I am sorry for that. And, you know, I, right. That's the first time I've ever heard anybody say that to me. So I appreciate it. I'm better off already, Jeff. We can hang up this thing. We can, we're ready to go. I'm waiting for your apology. I'm glad to hear. <laughs> yeah. He owes you a few, right? Yeah. I'm sorry that I have done 65 episodes with Dr. Jeff Prickett. I'm sorry. Nice never, never mind. Yeah. That's good. He's always been quick with the comeback. So always been quick with the comeback. I think of him a day later and I think, God, why did I think of that? It's like the Costanza method, right? With the shrimp. Yep. 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 <laughs> Well, I like that. Don't, don't let them see you sweat. And, and you know what? I, I mean, you know, I, I know what you were saying by that, but I think it's, I think it's important uh, and important to remember that, you know, you are the, you are the leader of, of your domain. And um, yes, our job is to, is to, uh, you know, help out aspiring leaders and build them up and develop their leadership capacity. But at the end of the day, you know, um, you need to inspire confidence in people. You know, and you and you can't do that if you're always, you know, waffling over decisions or uncertain on things and, um, you know, nervous or anxious. I mean, 
you know, it's, it's natural to be nervous and it's natural to, to sweat under pressure, but um, I, I take your point and it's, that was well said. So. Yeah. My other favorite thing about that is when a new administrator or an aspiring administrator says to me, how did you come up with that? Or how did you figure that out? My, my reaction is always, listen, I didn't come out of the box like this. This mm. took years of, you know, experience sure. and troubleshooting. So it's okay to kind of stumble around a little bit in your leadership sure. and not be down on yourself about it, but to learn from that. If you don't learn from that, then you got a problem. But most people, most leaders are able to learn from that and, and become a better leader as a result. Mm-hmm. That's right. My wife always says something. I, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but you guys will get the gist. It's, it's about experience. It's that thing that you needed that you just learned, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's something like that. It's much more clever because she's much more clever, but that it's, Absolutely. you guys get the gist. You know what I'm saying? You're right. You don't come out of the box ready to take over the helm of a high school, a middle school, an elementary school, or even a classroom. You learn it. And, uh, I, there's no college prep program that can prepare us for what we've experienced through COVID, through any of the, the negative things, or even some of the positive things. You just, you don't know what to expect until you live it. Right. Yeah. One of my favorite things I said to teachers when they were nervous and unbelievably themselves stressed out and anxious and everything. And by the way, there's a chapter in this book about um, how to help teachers with their self-care too, mm-hmm. is, you know, I wanted them to recognize that we're all pioneers. This is brand new, but let's run through this. We're going out West together. We're going to do this together. No matter what happens, we're together. And that family concept, I think, helped them deal with a lot of this. Mm, I love that. So you undoubtedly have had some out of the box experiences that have shaped your views, whether it's through your, your, your classwork with special education and special needs students, uh, leadership personalities and, and uh, trials and tribulations. So what would be a, a leadership challenge or opportunity as some people would phrase it that you'd like to share with us that maybe, you know, maybe it's one that didn't turn out so good. Maybe it's one that you're like, yeah, this is what happened. Don't do it this way. This is what I did. And it was a mess. Or this is the one that I, you know, I'm on the apex. I'm on the top of this hill and this is how I conquered it. Do you have one of those good stories? Yeah, sure. I think it's, you know, difficult parents generally, and I can be a little more specific without obviously mentioning anybody's name. It's been a few years uh, since. And I think we've all encountered that challenge. Or as I like to say, parents in difficult situations, because sometimes they're not really difficult people, but they're just very connected to their kid and, and they feel strongly about how uh, something should be done. So I did have a, a parent who felt very strongly about how some things were done and uh, we went back and forth and it, you know, she was very intimidating to uh, teachers. And at one point the teacher said, I'm, I'm afraid of this lady. And I said to her, the parent, every email has to go through me, every correspondence. And in my mind, I was controlling the situation, but she was pushing back harder. We talked a little bit about this with persuasion and force earlier. And it was really important for, her, for me to recognize after the fact that whether I was right or not really didn't make a difference. The bottom line is she felt justified in coming back harder on me and making a real challenge out of this constantly, trying to make it into the news about this, trying to make it uh, a legal issue. And mm. I, I was getting wrapped up in this and it was unfortunately what was happening is was distracting me away from my real job as I like to say which is to take care of kids that's the bottom line that's that's why I'm in this business I'm not in this business to go back and forth with a difficult person or a person in a difficult situation so my suggestion is is swallow some pride know that whether you're right or not isn't the point 
Uh, and mm. the reality of the situation is, is sometimes it's better to just sit back and listen. You don't have to agree with the person, but yeah. I do find myself as an experienced principal listening far more than I'm speaking or feeling the need to defend because I don't feel the need to defend mm-hmm. like I did in that experience, which was like six or seven years ago uh, or any experience like that. Mm. That advice goes well beyond principles should be listening. We could take that to our marriages, sure. to our friendships, just about anywhere. Listening is always going to be better. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. It's so true. And I think that, um, you know, young, young leaders probably don't do that and they don't realize that they can do that. I think is more important. You know, I never, I didn't think I could, you know, I think I I always felt like I had all the answers and instead of just sitting back and listening and, and um, you know, I write about that in in my book that's coming out soon too, is, is just that the power of that and realizing that I didn't have to have all the answers and how, how at first, you know, sometimes teachers are, are like, well, what do you mean? You don't, you don't have the answer. <laughs> um, and, you know, just the power of, of connecting with them and coming up with solutions together. Um, you know, I think that's, I think it's very powerful. So, so yeah, what's interesting, and what's interesting about what we just talked about is on the other hand, we were talking about showing confidence and assuring right. people. And on the other hand, there's this balancing act of acknowledging that someone has something important to say, at least they think that they, they do. And if they're validated and being heard, that goes a long way. Mm. Well, when you think of an old sage in the movies, you know, you think of like some kind of like Buddhist monk with their legs crossed in meditation. You don't see them running around quick from place to place, trying to find decisions, make them quick. You see somebody that's going to take it in. They're going to listen in a day or two. They're going to give you some wise advice. So I think there's a, a good word picture there too. That listening is often associated with wisdom. Absolutely. So true. That's so true. Good one. Oh, wise one. <laughs> sage. sage speaks <laughs> love it hey mike uh it's been a great great uh time with you on the show and we're really happy to to be to be back here on the principal leadership lab kicking off season two uh, but before we let you go i mean just tell us one last thing and, and that is what are you what are you hopeful for I'm hopeful that when we come out of challenges like this pandemic, that on the other side of this, kids and adults are able to see that we can be successful, we can experience post-traumatic growth, that we can be better because of it, not worse. Mm. And that's you know, a real premise that I, as you can tell by just speaking to me today, that's my whole philosophy and I believe in it. So I think it can happen. And hopefully with books like ours, we can, we can uh, offer that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Uh, talking thinking about uh, post-traumatic growth, you know, and, and wondering what that looks like. And uh, I want to dig into that with, with some people here at, at my, on my campus, you know, what that looks like post-traumatic growth. If we already see growth post-trauma, you know, what does that look like? So I really like that concept. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a study that was done at Google a few years back and, they found that their most successful employees were not the Ivy League graduates necessarily, but those that had endured a traumatic experience and were resilient beyond it. So those are the kinds of examples that tell us, yeah, you can be better because of it, not worse. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still not hoping that I suffer through a traumatic event so I can be better on the other side. I'm still <laughs> hoping that I can just have smooth sailing. That would be Fair nice. enough. <laughs> we hope so too. Yeah. yeah, but if I do, I have a path now. Exactly. I love that. I love that. 
Hey, Mike, um, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way? I mean, I, I know you're, I know you have a website and uh, is the best way through that or through your, your Twitter, your Instagram, uh, what's the best way people can reach you? Yeah. So Mike's microminute.com is the uh, website. Uh, but uh, I also have a Twitter account, Gaskell M Gaskell, Gaskell M Gaskell, that's G-A-S-K-E-L-L M Gaskell. Great. And uh, so it's two Gaskells for some reason. Um, <laughs> and that's probably the best way. Okay. Okay. That's great. Well, just, you know, you never know in case people want to reach out to you and want to hear more, want to reach out to you and talk to you about a certain idea. Have you come out and speak, you know, uh, what have you write, write a book for them. <laughs> Happy to do that. So, Happy to help. Good for you, man. It's been a pleasure. Listeners get out there leading schools through trauma coming out September 15th on Adam's birthday. And if that's not enough for you, go check out Micro Strategy Magic, also out there by Mike Gaskell. Mike, what a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for spending some time with us today on the Principal Leadership Lab. You're welcome. It was a pleasure, too. All right, Adam, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining Jeff and me on this week's episode of the Principal Leadership Lab. Special thanks to Mike Gaskell. We hope that you learned a lot with us, Mike, because we sure did. Until next week, everybody, do like my mom always says. And remember to always do your best.